Well, it is great to see everybody today. I hope you're doing well. My name is Chad Balthrop. I'm one of the pastors here in the Tulsa campus of First Baptist Owasso. It's really good to see. Is everybody doing all right today? Good. Well, it's great to see you. We're in Colossians chapter 3. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles there, or if you don't have a Bible with you, you can look on your app. If you don't have an app with you, you're going to see it up on the screen. But Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And we're in a brand new series today called Lesser Than. If you'll remember, a few months ago, just before Easter, we were in a series called greater than. And in the greater than series, we were in the first two chapters of Galatians. And what we saw in those first two chapters is that Jesus is more than powerful. He's more than prominent. He's more than popular. Jesus is preeminent. It means he's the one who is above all. He's greater than everyone and everything. And now we, we move into a new section of Colossians, Colossians chapters three and four. And in those chapters, we actually see the practical application of what it means for us to live our lives into, in the light of the fact that Jesus is greater than and so we've called this series very cleverly lesser than (laughs) and so it's that idea John 3.30 says that Jesus must increase and I must decrease and so that's the whole big idea for this entire series as we move forward is that he must increase I must decrease we're lesser than Jesus is greater than but in the middle of all of that our lives can be something remarkable our our lives can be something different and it's really just something that I want to I want to point out this morning um and it starts with a question. So I don't know, you guys are ready for a question? You don't have to answer it out loud. Just kind of answer it right there in the silence of your own space. That would be great. But if you knew, here's the question. Actually, let me, let me lay a little more foundation for the question. I actually think that, that the, the questions and the things we're going to talk about today, if you figure out how to make these things come alive in your life, I just believe that if these things, the principles we'll talk about today, the things that we're going to see inside Colossians chapter 3 in the few verses we're going to look at today, I just believe that if, you, if these principles come alive in your life today, I honestly believe that your life will never, ever be the same again. That's how important I think what we're talking about is today. That's how, that's how clear the principles we'll see in Scripture are today. If you figure out how these things can come alive inside your life and inside your heart today, I believe that your life will never be the same again. And so now for the question, if you knew what God knew, would you still do what you're about to do? So I don't know what you're about to do, but you've got a decision to make, you've got a, a priority to set, you've, you've got a bill to pay, you've got a job to do, you've got a class to attend, you've got a teacher to please or not, you've got all these people in your life that are telling you you should go left or you should go right, and you're just trying to figure out what you're going to do next. Let me just ask the question, if you knew what God knew, would you still do what you're about to do? You see, I think in Colossians chapter 3 that one of the things that we see is a way to approach the answer to that question so that we can get it right every time. I think it's a way we can approach the answer to that question so that we can figure out how we can walk in lockstep with who Jesus is and what it is that he has for us in our lives. Now in our family, my son, my youngest son Dawson, he loves to play games and he's always asking me questions and he's never asking me questions to play games that are like this one. If you knew what God knew, would you do what you're about to do? He's also always asking me another question. So I'll ask you a question that he frequently asks me. Dad, what would you do? If you had $100 million, <laughs> I mean, if cash was just flowing, would you, what would you do with $100 million? So just think about that with me for just a minute. Would your life be different <laughs> if you had $100 million? 
No. <laughs> no, I'd still go work at 7-Eleven and I'd still do, yeah, sure it would. Your life would be different. Things would change for you if you had $100 million. I've heard it said that people don't change until they know enough or they hurt enough or have enough. And so surely if you had $100 million, there'd be some change in your life. And so we like to dream about what it would look like for our lives to be different because of all the cash that's just rolling in. You know, maybe we'd be debt-free. Maybe we'd give a lot more. Maybe we'd save a lot more. Maybe I'd just be able to pay for college. That'd be so good to just be able to pay for college. That'd be really good. But I can guarantee you, right, that your life would be different if you had that kind of cash on hand. And so today, if you knew what God knew, would you still do what you're about to do. If I had $100 million, I'm pretty sure my career path might be different. I'd still try to do good things, but I'm not sure I would do them the same way that I'm doing them now. And I bet your life is exactly like that. If you knew what God knew, would you still do what you're about to do? So let's turn our face to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse 1. And one of the things I want to point out to you, uh, there's a couple of things. First off, we have a tradition here that's it's something that was just important to us. In the context of a worship service, we like to honor the reading of God's word by standing. And at the, end of the fra- at the end of reading it, I say, this is the word of the Lord. And you respond by saying, praise be to God. It just really highlights the fact that what we're reading isn't my opinion. And it's not the opinion of just any old man. This is the word of God, and we want to honor it that way. But before we read this passage, I want to show you something. There's a phrase that I want you to know. And sometimes when you're reading the scriptures, sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you'll see that God kind of gets into a rhythm and he starts repeating particular phrases. And when there are particular phrases that are repeated over and over again, you probably ought to pay attention to them because they think that's his way of saying, hey, I've got something to say and I want it to stick. So make certain you notice this. Beginning back in Colossians 2.20, and we're not going to read that verse together in just a minute, but beginning in, 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 in chapter 2, verse 20, it says this, it says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you keep living the way that you're living? So it presents this idea, and it's this phrase that when we read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, I just want you to notice the number of times the phrase, with Christ, is used. It starts, there's four of them, it starts... Four of them beginning in, in, in Colossians 2.20. It starts back there with, with Christ. But as we stand together, so let's stand together. And as I read this, and you read this with me, uh, as, you, as you read along with me, just notice that phrase, with Christ, as we do this. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Well, there it is again. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Christ in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, to lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thank you so much. You can be seated. Did you see the number of times the phrase with Christ was used? It's in there several times. And so I hope we, we catch that today. And, and it leads to just really what is the big idea of this entire series. For the next several weeks, we're going to finish out Colossians chapters 3 and chapters 4. But that first verse, Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, I think it's the linchpin verse for the entire book of Colossians. We've established that Jesus is preeminent. He's the one who's above all. And now Colossians 3.1 shows us because he's the one above all, this is how your life will never be the same if you're with Christ. Look at that verse again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. If I were to put kind of a summary around everything we're going to talk about today, that summary would simply be, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. That would be the simple summary around everything about today. When you know who you are, You'll know what to do. Now, a few years ago, my whole family got to go to Disney World, and that was a blast. We had so much fun at Disney World, and you can see everybody there is wearing their Oklahoma gear, except me. I was wearing a shirt that reminded people to take a shower, because we're at Disney World, and sometimes people stink. I don't know. I don't know what that was about. But we got to go, and the reason we got to go to Disney World was really awesome, because both sets of grandparents got together, and we pooled their resources and our resources, and we got to go to Disney in a way like we've never been before, okay? We've never been able to go like this before instead of staying away from the campus and coming in and driving and all that stuff we got to stay on campus and that was really cool it was cool because you got to go in the park earlier than everybody else and you got to stay in the park later than everybody else and then we got the meal plan and my kids figured out the meal plan really quickly they figured out that they could go up to any vendor at any moment and show them their little wristband and say hey I'd like a Mickey bar (laughs) or I'd like a churro or "I, I need a Tootsie Roll or whatever and it was just all right there on their band and just with such freedom and with such fun they just kind of went from one ice cream bar to another and one ride to another and we walked away about 15 pounds heavier and about a million dollars lighter. It was awesome. But we had a blast. And because of the way we stayed in the park, it was really interesting. Because of the way we stayed in the park, we got to do some things that other families who came to the park didn't. My my family had a wristband that allowed them to do things that other people didn't get to. Now, certainly anybody could have purchased the same package that we purchased, but, but I was just around a lot of people who didn't get to do the same things we did because we had this wristband. And then while I was there, they had this thing at the Hollywood Studios that was really awesome. They had the American Idol experience at Hollywood Studios. And so... Uh, all, everybody in my family was riding another ride that I didn't want to ride, so I was waiting for them, and I thought, American Idol experience, I wonder what this is. And I walked in, and as I walked inside, they said, oh, you're here, this is good, come on in. Uh, here, stand over here, sing this song. <laughs> what? Yeah, sing this song. So I sang, well, actually, they didn't ask me to sing a particular song, they asked me to sing any song, so I sang a little Amazing Grace for them, and they wrote some stuff down. That was really good. Here, why don't you wait in this line now? And the line was really short, but they handed me a list of songs. Hey, why don't you sing one of these songs? And I think it was Old Time Rock and Roll is the one that I picked. I think, I, I, I think that was the one that I picked, Old Time Rock. So I go into a room, and they start playing a track. Now sing along with the track. And so I'm singing along with the track. And there's two people in the room now. One of the first one was just a judge, one judge. Now there's two people in the room, and I'm like, what are you doing? This is crazy. And perfect, you made it. You're next. What do you mean you're next? Well, we need you to come back at 3 o'clock. Well, why at 3 o'clock? Well, because at 3 o'clock we're going to do a show, and there's four of you who have made it, 
and you're going to sing on the stage in front of a Disney audience, uh, and they're going to figure out who gets to go on to the championship round, which is the 7 o'clock show that night. And I'm like, what? I'm an old man. Why would you pick me? I don't know. But they, but they picked me, and then... And that was cool because you show up at three and now you're, by, you're backstage. You're behind the scenes. You're getting to go places that no one else at Disney except the people who have won that experience go. And they had a camera and they asked me some questions. And, and they asked me some questions that they didn't ask other people. They asked other people questions they didn't ask me. And I think they interviewed my family. That was kind of cool. And at three o'clock, by 3.30, I'm, I am on a Disney stage at Disney World <laughs> singing old-time rock and roll. Um, uh, uh, just take those old records off the shelf. I sit and listen to them by myself. This, this new music ain't got the same soul. It's the same arguments we use about hymns, right? Uh, hymns, I like the old time rock and roll. Um, so all the same arguments. And so now the Disney crowd is judging what's going on. And I won. <laughs> and there's one more round. It's the 7 o'clock round. It's the evening. So there was a Disney crowd. It wasn't very huge in that 3 o'clock round because it's just whoever comes in to watch the show. So it's 7 o'clock that night. Again, more video, more time. They took me back to hair and makeup, <laughs> which was odd. And they put makeup on me. And then the lady who did my hair, she looks at my hair and went, Can't really do much with that. And so I get on the stage, and man, the competition is really even tighter. And I was so nervous because I don't watch American Idol. And they were like asking people questions Who's your favorite contestant on American Idol? The only thing I could think of was Carrie Underwood. Was she a, was she a contestant? Okay, yeah, so. I th- please don't ask me any questions because I don't know anything about this show. But I competed, and the, the final round, I lost the final round. I didn't. But the winner of the final round got a golden ticket to be first in line at an actual American, ex- uh, American Idol uh, adjudication, a place where they would do that. So if first place got to do that, I got to do things nobody else got to do. And my family, while they were on that Disney trip, they got to do things. That nobody else got to do. Why? Well, because they were in my family. Well, why'd you get to do that? Well, because I happened to be in the right place at the right time. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And that whole idea, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, is this really big idea. And it just, it's that, man, are you with Christ? Because when you're with Christ, everything changes. When you're with Christ, you get to go places people, other people don't get to go. You get to do things other people don't get to do. You have access to resources that other people don't have access to. It's almost like the ultimate backstage pass, only it's even way better than that. Look at Colossians 3.1 one more time. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So here's what I see in that verse. With Christ, you have new treasures to seek. You can seek the things that are of God. You can pursue something that is eternal and not something that's just going to rust and, 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 and degrade and go away. You can create a name for yourself that isn't about you at all. You can create a name for yourself that brings glory to God and a story that lasts not just for today and not just is stuck on the side of a building somewhere. It's not just about a bank account. It's not just about a family name. It's not just about a reputation. You can build the kind of name and reputation for yourself that's built on the eternal reality of who Jesus Christ is and with Christ because you're seeking the things that are above. 
that decision that you make today that just seems so temporary, that seems so finite, that seems so insignificant, it actually can lead to something that's eternal. With Christ, you have new treasures to seek. Now let me tell you how good these treasures are that you have to seek. Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 8 reminds us that without Christ, we're stuck under a law called the law of sin and death. It's the law that says, I am a slave to my sin, that I may not be as bad as I could possibly be, but I'm bad enough to always get things wrong enough to break my relationship with God and someone else. I've actually had people look at me when I talk about sin, and they've said, well, Chad, I'm not evil. Come on, evil? Hitler, Hitler's evil. People who kill people, they're evil. I've never done any of that. I'm not evil. I'm not even really that bad. I'm way better than that guy down the street or my friend who just cheated on his whatever. I'm way better than all of that. And you may, that, that may be true for you. That, that may be true. Man, I'm just not, fill in the blank, that bad. I'm just not that bad. But have you ever, have you ever lied to someone? I mean, even a little one? Didn't that lie hurt your relationship with them? Didn't that break your relationship with them in some capacity? doesn't there have to be something that happens in order for that relationship to be restored? Absolutely, you know that. You've hurt somebody with your choices or with your words. You've been hurt by somebody with their choices or their words. And every hurt comes from a source. And it's a source that, well, I just wasn't that bad, but I was bad enough to break the relationship. And haven't you done that with God too? Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't covet. Those are just the simple Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not commit murder. Well, I've never murdered, but Jesus reminds us that if we're so angry with our brother that we hate them, that it's like we've committed murder in our heart, and, and we're guilty of all of those things. And so now we've done this thing that has broken our relationship with God. That's the law of sin and death. The sin that, we've, that we experience, the sin that really, if you think about it, that we defend and that we covet, that sin that we protect, oh, I'm just not that bad. We, we protect that, right? We protect the idea that I'm just not that bad or I'm not nearly as bad as someone else. We're stuck inside that false belief because of our sin. It's the law of sin and death. We're so stuck in it that even when that law pushes us off a cliff, and destroys our life, and destroys our relationship with God, and destroys our relationship with people, even when that law, because of the effects of that law, kill us, we still hold on tightly to it, because we are stuck as slaves to that sin, that law of sin and death. But the Bible reminds us again, Colossians 3.1, if then you have been raised with Christ, Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. By rising from the dead, he proved that he was who he said he was, that he could do what he said he could do, and that now forgiveness is available to you and me, which means that relationship between me and God that's broken can be restored, it can be redeemed, because I can be forgiven. And the wrong things that I've done that have broken that relationship can be fixed. And so can those wrong things that I've done to others. Those relationships can be restored because of forgiveness. If you've been forgiven, if you've been raised with Christ, you can now seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. It reminds us that there's another law in Scripture. James chapter 2, verse 12 tells us that there's the law of liberty. It says, it says, so speak and so do as those who would be judged not by the law of sin and death, but by the law of liberty. The law of sin and death says I'm stuck. I'm just stuck in my sin. I'm just stuck here. 
I can't get out of it. I'm a slave to my sin. I may not be bad as bad as I could possibly be, but I'm bad enough for my relationship with God to be broken and for me to hurt others with the decisions that I make. That's the law of sin and death. I'm just, death. I'm just stuck. I can't get out of it. But the law of liberty is so much better than the law of sin and death. James chapter 2 reminds us that the law of liberty says, I'm free from the law of sin and death, so I can. I'm free so I can follow Christ. I'm free so I can honor him. I'm free so I can be selfless in my interactions with my friends and with my family. I can be selfless with people. I can, I can have those moments where someone accuses me of something that I didn't do and instead of getting indignant and upset and angry, I actually can do something else. I can be the person who enters a room and peace follows after even when things are stressful. I can be the person who trusts that Christ is for me, that Christ is with me, that Christ is in me, and because of that, well, when you know who you are, you know what to do. And so that's the law of liberty. When you are with Christ, you are no longer under the law of sin and death. You're under the law of liberty. The law of sin and death says I'm stuck. law of liberty says I'm free, so I can I can live a godly life. I can live a holy life. I can live a life that brings health to my relationships with everyone around me. I can do that. So you can seek that with Christ. You, that's a treasure for you to seek. That's another verse. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in Jesus have their yes. Every promise you see inside Scripture has their yes inside Christ. Why not pursue a treasure like that? That is an incredible treasure. And with Christ, you get to seek all the fullness of God and who he is and what it is that he has for you. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, and we'll see something else we have with Christ. Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your minds on earthly things. Excuse me. No, it doesn't. It says the opposite of that. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. With Christ... You have new thoughts to think. So you have new treasures to seek with Christ, but you also have new thoughts to think. I know some of you, I know it to be true. Some of you, when you look in the mirror, the thoughts that you think are not true. You look in the mirror and you think, I'm not attractive enough for anybody to ever care for me. You look in the mirror and you think, I'm not successful enough for my life to really matter. I grew up in the wrong neighborhood. I grew up speaking the wrong language. I grew up in the wrong part of the world for me to ever be able to do anything that's worth anything else. My situation or my circumstance is just, Chad, you don't understand. You're just a preacher. You've never lived in the real world. I always think that's funny when people say that. My circumstances are just so hard, I'll never be able to get out. You look in the mirror and all you see is the lie that you tell yourself. But with Christ, you have these new thoughts to think. You can see yourself the way God sees you rather than the way you see you. And it's not, it's not some kind of rosy 
um, everything's all going to be all right kind of look that God sees when he sees you. He sees our brokenness. He recognizes our weakness. He knows the obstacles that have gotten in our way. Some that are there because we put them there and some because they just showed up in the right spot at the wrong time, right? Some of those things in our lives aren't there because we put them there. They're there because somebody else put them there. He sees all of those things and he, well, remember, he's greater than. And because he's greater than, we now have these new thoughts to think that allow us, if we knew what God knew, to do what he would do in that circumstance. I don't have to live, remember, law of sin and death, that would be the world's rules. I now live with Christ under the law of liberty, which means I don't have to live by the world's rules anymore. It also means I don't have to think the way the world thinks anymore. What makes me attractive isn't simply about my physical condition. What makes me successful isn't about what's in my bank account. What makes my family whole and happy isn't about whether or not I'm a good disciplinarian or whether, I'm not, or whether or not I'm the ideal father. It's not about that. It's about something that's so much better than that. And so I can pursue Christ, and with Christ, I have these new treasures to seek, but I also have these new thoughts to think. And there's just some things that I think that are crazy that happen. To us sometimes. I, I think it's crazy that believers in Christ would trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. They would believe that God is going to take them for eternity to heaven, to be with Him, that things would be all perfect there, that we would trust Him for that, but that we would have such a hard time trusting Him for the, well, the bill that's coming tomorrow, or the argument that we had with our spouse last night, or the pressure that's coming because of the the, the struggles we're having with our kids or the decisions that they're making or the thing that's going on at work. I can trust Jesus. I can trust you to take me to heaven, but I don't know if I can trust you with that person or that argument or that idea. And we come into a place like this and we hear these principles, we hear these truths spoken from God's word where we see that, yes, I have new treasures to seek. I have new thoughts to think. And then we walk out of here and we immediately go back to these really ugly well, these lies that we tell ourselves and that we tell others, that we try to cover up on, you know, you put the right filter on Instagram, you put the right filter on TikTok, you do the right cool thing on the video and suddenly everybody thinks you're something when really they're not seeing, well, they're only seeing your highlights reel. They're not seeing your behind the scenes footage. And behind the scenes, things are falling apart. But they don't have to be with Christ. We have new treasure to seek and new thoughts to think. It would be as crazy as me. I've had a couple of surgeries in my life. I, I, I had a back surgery right out of college because I'd ruptured some discs. Had a hip surgery about five years ago and to replace my hip. So I'm kind of bionic on one side of my body, which is awesome. Um, it would be crazy for me to hurt the way I hurt. My leg, my right leg, both times, was turning out because it was so painful to walk. And so I walked like this. I walked with my leg turned out because it, if I tried to, I really just couldn't straighten my leg. Both that happened with my back, happened with my leg. Wouldn't it be crazy if I went to the expert, if I went to the doctor, and the doctor did all the tests and took all the, all the pictures, MRIs and, and, and x-rays, and did all those things and said, well, Chad, you need your hip replaced. Wouldn't it be crazy? That's the thing. It's going to make your leg turn right. It's going to make you feel better. It's going to be good. You need your hip replaced. Wouldn't it be crazy if I went, what do you know? You're just a doctor. Come on. And then I went to another doctor, and they looked at my hip, and they looked at my x-rays and my MRIs, and you know what they're, they're going to tell me, right? The same thing. You need, to, you need to have your hip replaced. You need to fix that. I can do that. How many times do you have to hear the same truth before you'll do what the doctor says? I'm not the doctor. 
Jesus is the great physician. With Christ, you have new treasure to seek and you have new thoughts to think. And right now, you're in this room hearing one more time that thing that God has told you over and over and over again. Hey, your hip is not working right. I can fix that. Here's how. Yet somehow, some of us actually are still stuck in that law of sin and death. We're still resistant to and rebelling against God and his ideas because we're not with Christ yet. I wonder if that's you today. And some of you, I'm still not sure why you're resisting. You're with Christ. You're trusting him for heaven, but you're not sure if you can trust him for here and now. And so here you are walking through church every morning with your leg turned out. And the end result is you end up hurting somebody. Somebody ends up hurting you. And now you've got God to blame for it because I've been here, God. How many times do I have to go to the doctor and him say, hey, you're, you need surgery. Well, I'm not going to get surgery, but fix it, doc. I'm not going to do what you asked me to do, doc, but fix it. How many times before the doctor is going to look at me and just go, hey, until you do something about it, until you really trust me, I can't do a thing. You're just going to keep coming hearing me say the same thing over and over again. Well, that's crazy, right? Hearing the same thing, thinking the same thing, doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting the results to be different. How long do you need to sit in the pew as a believer, as someone who's with Christ, before you'll simply relax and follow him and obey what it is that he's asked you to do? With Christ, you have new thoughts to think. It's, it's interesting what the Bible says. You've heard me talk about the fruit of the Spirit before. Galatians 5, and 23. It says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And verse 23 is my favorite. It says, against these things, there is no law. You have new thoughts to think. You can be filled to the full with that fruit and never get fat. <laughs> you can be filled to the full with that fruit and never offend anyone. You can be filled to the full with that fruit and always be pleasing to God. Why? Because there's no law against that. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, it reminds us that those things that are noble, those things that are just, those things that are honorable, those things that are of good report, and those things that are praiseworthy, it says, think on these things. When you look in the mirror tomorrow morning, will you fill your heart and your mind with the lies you tell yourself every day? Or will you think on these things. You can't do that on your own. But you know what? With Christ, you have new thoughts to think. Let's look at uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. We just kind of keep going through the passage. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. What, are the th- kinds, of, what kinds of things do you hide? I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm talking about the things that you value the most. What kind of things do you hide? Your life is hidden with Christ and God. You know, with Christ, I only think you hide those things that are just incredibly valuable to you. Things that that are of insurmountable value, right? So with Christ, you are God's most treasured creation because your life has been hidden with Christ in God. Now I have something I want to show you here this morning. This, I don't know how many of you have ever seen one of these. This is a $2 bill, right? Have you ever seen a $2 bill before? This is a $2 bill. Okay, this $2 bill, how much would you imagine that it's worth? $2. 
It's just worth $2. But part of what makes this $2 special to me is really something different. This $2 bill actually came with a note. And this note is handwritten by my grandmother. And this particular $2 bill, well, what the note says is that my granddad, he was really funny. Um, he always said that uh, he kept this $2 bill in his wallet from the time he was a young boy. And he said, as long as I've got this in my wallet, I'll never be broke. <laughs> and so his entire life, he carried it in his wallet. And uh, back in 1995, um, he passed away. May 19th, 1995, he passed away. And my grandmother opened his wallet and found this $2 bill. And she wrote the handwritten note that is right here. And she gave it to me. And she said, just like my grandpa believed, as long as you have this $2, you'll never be broke. Now, I said just a minute ago, how much do you think it's worth to you? And most anybody else, it's worth $2. But for me, that's priceless. And, and do you know where I keep this? You're never going to know where I keep this. <laughs> because it's hidden with me. And even on the day that the note finally crumbles, because it's, it's been around in my... Not in my wallet. It's been around in my life for a long time. But uh, even when this paper crumbles, and even when the paper of the $2 bill crumbles, I'll still carry the truth of that memory with me. It's hidden with me because it's a valuable and precious possession to me. You have, you have invaluable things in your life like that. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Well, who can take that away? Can I lose my salvation? What does this say? Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Who's going to take that away from him? You guys might be big enough and bad enough to take this away from me, but man, my life is hidden with Christ in God. Can you lose your salvation? No. Because if your salvation is about what Christ did for you, with Christ, you've been hidden with Christ in God. Nobody can take that from you or from him because you are his most treasured possession. At Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 is this incredible passage where it's talking about how we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And it reminds us that because of the great witnesses, we can run with endurance this race that's been set before us. We can look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And here's my favorite phrase. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the Father. So, what's, what does that verse mean? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross? He endured a cross. Remember crucifixion? That's where they put nails in your hands and feet. They put the crown of thorns on his head. They ripped out his beard. They stuck a spear in his side. That doesn't sound like much joy. But it says, for, who the joy, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father. What do you think that joy was? I think he knew that in giving away his life, in suffering that cross, <laughs> I think he knew he won you and me. With Christ, your life is hidden in God 
because you have become, with Christ, you are God's most treasured creation. And you are that joy that was set before him. You are his delight. James chapter 1 talks about that. The Psalms talk about that. Every time you look in the mirror and you see the lie that causes you to believe you are something less than what God created you to be, you need to renew the way you think and you need to recognize the treasure that's been given to you because you, with Christ, your life has been hidden with God and you are his delight. He takes great delight in you. Let's look at Colossians 3, 4. We've got just... A couple of quick things to see here. Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And that tells me this. It tells me that with Christ, your identity shines in glory. Then you also will appear with Christ in glory. With Christ, your identity shines in glory. I see a problem in our world today. And it's a problem that's no more and no less than an identity crisis. We, we have this identity crisis that causes us to be confused about who we are. We have this identity crisis that causes us to be confused about what we are capable of doing. We have this identity crisis that causes us to be confused about the value that we have or the purpose that we have or the reason that God created us the way that he created us. We see a world filled with people who don't know which pronoun to use. We have a world filled with people who are trying to fill their significance. They're trying to fill their significance with their sexuality. I'm always struck by the fact that there, there, there's, there's athletes who have been world-class, one-of-a-kind athletes in our world. They're the only people in the world who can do what they do athletically, but they would rather for the world to know them by the fact that they have a particular brand of sexuality. Now, I'm not, I'm not in, I don't intend to be mean. I don't intend to be hurtful and all of that. I just find that fascinating that when it comes to our sexuality, anybody can, can participate in that particular act. But here's a world-class athlete who's saying, I'd rather be known by the fact that I can do what anybody can do rather than be known by the fact that I can do this one thing that God designed me to be the only person in the world can do. I, I find that fascinating. With Christ, your identity shines. It shines in glory. And you know how I know that? Look at verses 5 through 11. Because what you're going to see in verses 5 through 11 is a list. And if you read the Bible the way most people read the Bible, what you're going to read here is what you think of as a list of do's and don'ts. Don't do this. Do that instead. And this is actually the don't list. And so you're going to hear a bunch of really ugly words and a bunch of really ugly things. But you know what each one of these things are? They're really an expression of someone's identity. That's what they really are. Put to death. If you're with Christ, you ought to put to death these temptations in your life. If you're with Christ, you, ought to, you don't need these things anymore. You've been freed from the law of sin and death. You're now free so you can. You should put to death, therefore, what is earthly in, your, in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion evil desires and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now, you must put them all away. Put away anger, put away wrath, put away malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I'm just, I just struggle with anger. That's just me. I'm just going to get mad sometimes. 
I'm just mad all the time. I just get mad. It's what I do. I go off at the handle. You guys are just going to have to learn with the lived fact that I'm sometimes I'm, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. You know, you're just going to have to live with that. This is saying you, you don't have to live by that rule anymore. With Christ, something new is in you. With Christ, you can practice your sexuality the way God designed you. With, with Christ, your passions, the impurities, the evil desires can be transformed. That hunger you have for temptation can be transformed into a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. But now you must put them all away. So you put them to death, you put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Put them all away from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You're being made to look more and more like Christ every day because you're with Christ. And here's what tells me. These last few words are what tell me that this isn't about a list of do's and don'ts. This is a list that's identifying someone's identity. Somebody in this room today thinks, well, that's who I am. I am. I am going to alter my sexuality. I am going to pursue my passions. Anger, that's just who I am. The malice that I feel, the fact that I lie all the time, well, that's just me. I just do that. I'm really good at it. I can tell lies all the time and get away with it because I'm just so good at it. This is the, the last part of this is what tells me this is about identity. Here, where? It says here, but where? Here with Christ is not Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, white, black, brown. I speak Spanish. I speak English. I speak Mandarin. I sp- Here, with Christ, these identities aren't all that we are. These identities are bigger than our sexuality and they're bigger than our view of purity and bigger than our emotional baggage and they're bigger than the color of our skin and the language that we speak and the place that we came from. There's not Greek and there's not Jew. There's not circumcised and uncircumcised. Barbarian, I mean, how offensive is that? There's not barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but right here, there is Christ all. He's, but, but Christ is all and he is in. I said it at the very beginning. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. So the only question that needs to be answered today is, are you with Christ? That's it. Are you with Christ? Some of you today aren't with Christ and you're feeling the tension and the pain and the hurt of all of those broken places and broken spaces in your life that somebody else has done to you and to some degree you've, you've done to yourself. Can I tell you, you don't, you don't have to live that way anymore. With Christ, there's freedom. Would you place your faith in Jesus today? Just trust in him for the forgiveness of sins. Would you trust in him for your next breath? Would you trust in him for your next step? In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to respond. and I'll, I'll pray and we'll all stand and we'll sing together. And, and as we sing and as we do this, if, if you want to know what it means to be with Christ because you've never been with him before, come talk to me. I'll be right down here. There'll be someone in the room right next to you that could talk to you right after the service is over. But we would love to be able 
to talk to you more about what it means to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. The only question today that matters is, are you with Christ? And then for some of you, some of you who are here today, you would be quick to tell me that you're with Christ, yet you still stumble over your anger all the time. You're still abusive to your family verbally. You're still mean to people in your workspace. Some of you would tell me, well, I'm with Christ, but I really, when it comes to my sexuality, I'm going to do what I want because I don't care what Jesus has to say. And can I tell you that, man, you absolutely can do that. But I'm not sure if you can do that for long and still be with Christ. Because Christ is the one who's in all and through all. And he's doing something in us and through us that, and sometimes even in spite of us, that transforms our hearts in ways that we don't even understand. We don't have to live by the world's rules anymore. So with Christ, your life can be different. Your identity can be real. And it can be based on something that's not just temporary. It can be based on something that's eternal. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Let's pray. Father, today, would we walk with you? Would would you help us to walk with us? I know that there are men and women in this room right now today who are with you. And so I pray that that sin, that temptation that we're struggling with, that, that thing that keeps us from being everything that you desire for us to be, the thing that deceives us every morning when we look in the mirror, I pray that we would lay, lay that aside and leave that behind because we would remember that with Christ we have these new treasures to seek and these new thoughts to think. We have this new way of living and this new way of acting because of what Jesus did for us on the cross at Calvary. So let us do more as believers to trust in you, not simply for our eternity, but Father, help us to trust in you for the here and now. Help us to trust in you enough to find our identity in you and let that identity shine, Father, in glory. And for those people in the room today who aren't with Christ, today would you convince them, would you persuade them, would you help them to see your love and your loving kindness for them? Would you give them the courage and the strength to place their faith in you? Would you transform their lives as a result of it? We love you, Jesus. We're so grateful to you. It's in your name that we pray.